Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing. Whoa, yeah. Here we go. Check it out now. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast thing. My name is Luke and this is my thing. Uh, so, how's it all going? How are you guys? What are you up to? Uh, what have you been eating? Yeah? Sounds tasty. Um, so, NaNoWriMo is... A lot of people are finishing now. They're, they're getting towards the end. Um, I've, I've done my um, word count. Uh, I'm just doing a quick initial edit, like a first pass, because there's some things I know now and that finish the story that I need to change at the start or in the middle to, to make it all add up. Um, so I'm going to spend the last days of NaNoWriMo doing that, getting it all finished up. Um, also, um, a short animated film that I've been working on for the past two years is almost finished and will be online for Christmas. Um, it's a film that, a story that I wrote and was animated by a friend back uh, called Emma from the Midlands and um, it's called Doghouse and I think it's actually pretty good <laughs> like, I think it's turned out really well so um, I can't wait to, to share that with you guys um, what else? okay so today is an interview show uh, it's a, a lot longer than the other episodes that I do um, but it's cool I, I think you're going to enjoy it um, the interview is with Justin Sloan uh, Justin Sloan is an indie author, video game writer, former Marine, and what I like to refer to as a podcast person. And by that, I mean I listened to three semi-related podcasts, and he appeared in each one. Uh, and now he's going to be in this show, so surely it won't be long before Apple have to update their podcast logo app to a picture of his face. And he's got a nice face too, so you're going to want to update to the latest iOS um, he's also the author of the Creative Writing Career series of books, um, and has published several fantasy novels, uh, which we'll get into. But what's really cool, Justin works for Telltale Games, um, where he writes for uh, the Game of Thrones games and the Walking Dead games. And um, I don't know if you've played those games, but the writing those is phenomenal. <laughs> I like they're very much it's like sort of like a choose your own adventure sort of game. Um, what if you're going to try one? I'd recommend. Just downloading the first episode of The Walking Dead because it's really, really cool. Um, cool, okay. So let's get into it and see and talk to Justin and, and, and go from there. All right, cheers. So welcome, Justin. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> I look forward to chatting. Yeah, yeah. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe start by telling a little, a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you do and your background and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So I was 
uh, in the Marines for five years in the United States Marines. And um, that was a crazy, weird experience. And somehow that has led to, as you mentioned, me now working at Telltale Games. And uh, we, we've done a couple other games, too. I've been on Tales from the Borderlands and uh, Minecraft Story Mode. Okay. Uh, in addition to, like you said, Walking Dead, the miniseries coming out soon, and uh, Game of Thrones, episode five and six of season one is what I was on. Yeah. And um, and then I do my own thing on the side, and, and it all kind of, kind of came about through me doing the normal job, you know, doing a normal desk nine to five and realizing how bored I was and how that was not my calling and deciding that I was going to go 100% in. I was going to just, you know, change everything on my website and LinkedIn and all my web presence and my way of thought and everything to just be 100% writer, nothing else. How long, how long did the transition out. take? So how long did it take you to go from that to, you know, working as you are today? Yeah, well, so I got into writing um, in 2000. Uh, what was it, 10-ish, somewhere around there is when I got like really serious about writing and decided to get into a master's program for it and all that. Yeah. But I was still considering it like a, you know something I'll do while I'm working. So not like a side thing, but kind of like a two things at once kind of th- deal. Mm. And then around 2014, 12, 2012 is when I went into the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and that was kind of like what I thought my goal was for a long time. I was doing like finance related to Asia. I was doing Taiwan and India with a little bit of Japan and sometimes Korea. And so so that's what I was doing at the Federal Reserve. And I started realizing that, wow, this is not at all what I want to do. Like, why was this my goal? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was I just wanted to be creative, you know, and working on my craft and writing awesome stories. And so the common thing I say on all these podcasts is, you know, every minute I was there doing that was a minute I wasn't improving my craft or becoming a better writer. And that was, you know, really uh, making me feel depressed. <laughs> so so around 2014, sometime around there, I, I said, I'm going to go hardcore around that May 31st of 2014. I said, when it hits May 31st, I'm out. You know, I'm going to walk out the door, whether that means I'm a full-time author at home, not making any money or a little bit. Uh, or whether that means I do something that's awesome and we'll see what happens. And so I started, you know, I was applying for about a year, I would say, you know, my long answer to your, your short question was a year <laughs> of, of me just applying for like everything I could find that was related. Yeah. And I was connecting with people on LinkedIn and people at Pixar and other places like that and going to meet for coffee when I could. And a few people that I met, like basically everybody started leaving Pixar and coming over to Telltale Games and I was like, what is this place that everybody's leaving Pixar from to go to? Because Pixar was kind of like my, my, you know, gold, uh, <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel type thing yeah, at the yeah. time. And, and so I checked out Telltale and I thought it was awesome. And, you know, because games, you know, you, as a writer, I was 100% writer first. Um, games were kind of like a thing that I liked, but I, it wasn't, you know, my, my main go-to. Uh, I was writing more novels and screenplays. And, and I loved games as a kid. And so I have a lot to build for my job interview. And now I'm, of course, very much into the, the game world. But I started following where they were looking it up, playing all these games, looking up on YouTube, seeing what I was missing out on in the last couple of years, uh, and and then applied and got the job. Are you uh, are you happy how it's ended up, like where you yeah. are now? Oh, of course. I love yeah. this, man. I'm just like, right now, I'm looking out over the rolling green hills and birds flying in the sky over a lake. Yeah. And it's awesome. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's making cool video games. And um, um, people who've heard me on other podcasts probably hear me tell this story too. But, it, you know, one of the reasons I started writing was because I'd read the Game of Thrones first four books. I was waiting for the fifth. Maybe it was the third waiting for the fourth. I don't really remember, but it's somewhere in there. Yeah. People could probably just look up what dates, you know, what book came out shortly after 2010. But uh, 
so so I was in that stage and I was like, man, I want to write a book. I, well, if I can't get another Game of Thrones book right now, maybe I'll try to write one like it. And of course, that book ended up not being like it, but it, it was in the fantasy genre. Hmm. But I, so the, the long part of that is that I was like, oh, I'm going to write something like Game of Thrones. And now I got to be actually writing Game of Thrones, the game here at Telltale, which was, you know, so it came kind of full circle. So it was this awesome experience of seeing kind of my dreams realized, you know. Do you ever have to win the lottery? Yeah. Do you ever have to pinch yourself and remind yourself of how lucky you are to be in the and what you're doing today? I have to remind myself often because this is a common thing that will always happen in everybody's life. It's like yeah. no matter where you get, you always realize that there's more and that you have struggles regardless. So I feel like getting surviving after you get in the door is almost as hard or harder as getting in the door in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that so it's not just like you can ever think oh now i've made it and it's done and that's awesome but you always have to be thinking okay what what how do i make sure that i'm kicking butt here and if there's something next how do i make sure that i'm ready for what's next and and, and on the you know the flip side the counter argument that everybody's probably thinking is well yeah but now you have game of thrones on your credits and walking dead and you've published whatever nine ten twenty books uh you know in the podcast and, and so that's true there's all that stuff now so in theory it's going to be so much easier to keep the momentum going and keep the career going and in that sense i'm like oh my god this is awesome and it's rolling and it's cool but there's always that fright of okay but what if you know these guys let me go or or something like that and i'm sitting at home and nothing else comes and yeah. you know the books just suddenly stop selling and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so yeah it's always yeah there's always that fear i think no matter what there's always gonna be that fear so you 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 write for video games you publish fiction and you also write non-fiction um i'd love to know why 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 are you doing non-fiction as well as a fiction and the job and the podcast uh, do you know what i mean why why are you sort of spreading your, your wings so far and, and instead of focusing on one it's just because you you want to do it that way yeah, it's the passion. I definitely yeah. would say don't do anything that you don't feel passionate about. And if you feel passionate about something, do it. Regardless of how busy you are, find a way to make it happen. Because if you're that passionate about it, I mean, you will. That's not advice you need, really. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, don't like limit yourself just because you feel like, oh, I need to focus on one area or one niche. Um, some people succeed that way, and that's cool. If you're like, you're like I want to do games, and I'm only going to do games because that's all I want to do, then that's, that, that's fine, and you might succeed in that route. But one of the things, I was on the Austin Film Festival as a panelist recently, which was an amazing experience. And one of my big uh, kind of lessons that I was trying to impart on people is that it's great to have all these doors that you're knocking on because you don't know which one will open when. So if you're going to focus on being a screenwriter or a video game writer, that door might not open for 10 years. But if you were doing screenwriting, novel writing, and video game writing, you know, one of those doors, like the novels, all of a sudden might start making you like hundreds of thousands of dollars next month. Yeah, uh, and then you're going to be able to survive on that while you're still trying to break into the video game industry and getting you know the prestige of having these novels that are doing awesomely. Yeah. Or if you're writing screenplays, suddenly one of your screenplays might get made into a movie, and because of that, you might land that job in the video game industry. You know, because people care about that. Like video games care about story nowadays. They're they love story. You know, story is key lately. Yeah. And and, and, so from, you, and from that, they're gonna they're gonna sort of find out who you are and like delve into your back catalog of fiction and. And, and stumble down that rabbit hole that is you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's why the nonfiction comes in too. Is um, it, it's kind of always been a a passion of mine to to share stories to kind of help other people out and mentor. And so a lot of people were calling me up and or emailing me and asking for advice, like I had done. And I thought, well, instead of just doing that, I'm still happy to like respond to emails and all that. But I was like, why don't I put all those thoughts together and thoughts of other smart people people smarter than myself who have way more experience and who kind of helped me along the way 
why don't I put all that together in a few books and, and have that so that instead of having to email me, they can just look at the book, which I give away for free if you sign up for my newsletter. So it's not like I'm, why don't I make money off of you people? It's why don't I have that so that everybody can use it and have it as a reference point. Uh, so for example, creative writing career, the book, you can go onto the podcast and get it for free when you sign up for the newsletter, which is creativewritingcareer.com, which is also where we put out info about the podcast. And now we're putting it out in podcast form, which is also free. And we, we, you know, we go out there and we interview people like uh, the Writers on the Shadow of Mordor or Red Dead Redemption or the books Wheel of Time, or sorry, not Wheel of Time, but <laughs> a guy who started a fan site for the Wheel of Time books. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. Robert yeah. Jordan, you know, in spite of him being dead, he's on our podcast every day. <laughs> um, he's not. It seems, <laughs> it seems like um, a lot of writers I know who were screenwriters, who spent a lot of time screenwriting, have, have gone on to, you know, publishing, writing novels or gone on to sort of concentrate on games rather than mm -hmm. working in films. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think they go into games in particular? Yeah, I have a lot of people I know who have gone on to write games from screenwriting, like you said. And a big part of that is you'll end up in Hollywood making a lot of money working for five or ten years and never see something hit the screen, which is, I feel, depressing. It's, yeah. it's kind of why I've moved on. I do a lot of screenwriting, but I'm, I'm definitely more focused on the games and the novels right now. Because I, I've written like 15 screenplays and they just sit in my shelf. And occasionally somebody will ask me for one and I'll send it to them. Or you'll see a posting on some website or something, you'll send it in. And maybe I'll get a little attraction, maybe I'll get optioned, but it just, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, sometimes people get screenplays made, but the idea that you're working for so long and not seeing anything come, the whole idea is we want to put stories out there. So if it's just somebody buying it and then it sits on a shelf in a movie studio, that's depressing. So th that's one reason. Yeah. Also, it was like, you know, Hollywood's kind of being less creative nowadays, everybody says. Well, as in the game industry, it's kind of like everybody's saying it's the next big thing. On our panel at Austin, a lot of people were saying uh, that the uh, the games are kind of like where film was in the 1920s or, or that era. Like, it's only going up from here, you know, it's only getting more and more awesome. And it's just everybody's starting to see, like, through Telltale's games or through Life is Strange or, or games like Beyond Two Souls. They're trying to, they're starting to see that story is what matters in game a lot of games now and it can be just as awesome as it was in film or and money, money too you know like uh was it uh a lot of games have made a lot more than movies i think somebody's saying assassin's creed 2 made more than avatar did when it came out or oh, wow. you know yeah. that, i mean that might be the wrong game don't quote me on that but <laughs> you know they're they're making as much money as avatar which blew away box office someone you know? told me that the the game industry was 10 times the size of the film industry now does that that's insane that right? isn't it it isn't sure but it, it also <laughs> makes me think why again like why would you spend uh six months or how, however long writing a screenplay 90 page screenplay that that doesn't really go anywhere um and you've got less chance of making a bit of money why not go into games or, or something yeah else? exactly and i'm still like i said i'm still doing all of it uh because i have to i just i love it you know and and there's always that part of you that says you know like writing for pixar would be amazing so yeah. If you just ignore that completely, then that's a dream that just kind of fades away. But if you keep, you know, doing a script every once in a while, then it's always a dream that could live in your mind and potentially happen. Because maybe Pixar discovers you through your novels or through your video game writing or connections you've made along the way in, in any of those endeavors. Yeah. Have you have so. you read uh, Creativity Inc. by any chance? Yeah. I'm just thinking about the brain trust. Yeah. That, like little meeting. I'm a little bit scared of going in there because they sound so <laughs> honest. Like they sound like they just rip you to pieces. But Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe in a good way, I guess. And that's a nice part about games is it's very much like that. Like you'll have similarities, of course, differences. <laughs> yeah. But it's very much a collaborative environment where you have all these different levels of people giving you feedback and notes and checking it. And 
much more so than a TV room even. And, and you have this level of like kind of the executives who get in there and then rip you to shreds and you have to go back and redo it. And so, so it's not for the light, the faint of heart, I guess, you know, yeah. novels, you can do whatever you want. If you're doing screenplays uh, until you get in the studio system, maybe like you get notes, even then you're getting notes, but you can go do it them with them what you want and then you might get fired you might not but it's a different kind of mindset than i think video games or pixar (laughs) where you go in there and you just have to make all these humongous changes even if that means throwing away the scene completely and starting over from scratch 20 times (laughs) which is crazy but it's it's how the magic happens so when you when you're self-publishing you're essentially the, the project manager would you would you uh lead like your own game uh design or something at some point do you think not i no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the writing. I like yeah. I like keeping it separate. Um, I've thought about that kind of stuff before. Like, uh, what is it? One of those sites that like Udemy or something had a super great deal on learning Unity recently. I I might have taken this. I I think I bought the same one. It was like nine okay. pound or something. It was like yeah, Unity Masterclass. Yeah, yeah. I think here is like twenty US dollars, and um, so that's awesome. You know, if you want to like make your own game, and I have a buddy who recently did that, and uh, you know. It's a way to get your name out there for people who are thinking about getting into games. Definitely, it's a way. Mm. Uh, but there's also all these companies like, I don't know if you can hear that car alarm going off. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. But there's all these companies that are uh, like Pocket Gems. They often hire writers, like more novice writers, perhaps even yeah. um, for, for their game episode. And uh, you can get on those kind of games and actually have, you know, finished projects, products out there that. Uh, people can look at and i asked this question to somebody recently who was a lot more experienced than i am uh, i think it was the guy who was a red dead redemption writer and and his thoughts on this were it's better to get involved in stuff like that what pocket gems is doing because even though it might not be as cool as your own game that you did uh, a lot of times these self-made games end up looking really amateur and so to have your writing on uh, okay. you know something that yeah. might feel silly to you but is actually like out there making lots of money and getting played by lots of people like the pocket gems game. Um, it it kind of has a little more prestige to it. Yeah. Uh, so as well as all this, you're also, as I said, um, an avid podcaster. Uh, so, yeah. so what have we got? We've got the creative writing career podcast, um, uh-huh. self publishing answers, uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, what else was there something else or yeah. Military veterans and creative careers. Military veterans and creative careers. Okay, so that's um, that's our bread and butter right there. No, it's, it's not, but it's it's <laughs> it's like more of the passion project for me. Yeah, because that was a big thing of, of looking at my veteran, my time in the military, and and looking at all the veterans that are out there in Hollywood and in the game industry and, and writing and whatnot, and how we can help each other. Because it's kind of like you can skip the step of going to film school. You already have this big cadre of people who are willing to help you get ahead. This big network that you just have to you know reach out to and say, I was also a veteran. Just kind of like if. Yeah. You met somebody from USC and you say, I was also, I also went to USC. Uh, and so I'm trying to, you know, help other veterans understand that they can leverage that. And a lot of people get out of the military and kind of feel, I don't know if it's ashamed or embarrassed or whatever, but they, they kind of ignore it. They just push it aside. Well, I definitely believe they should be using everything they can to their advantage to get ahead. Uh, you know, yeah. it's not like you're using people because we're people like me. We're doing the podcast and the book and everything. We're out there saying, Hey, here's how you can get ahead. Um, and you also get these people with chips on their shoulder who go out there and they, they think like, oh, I was in the military, so I can get ahead in life faster, or, you know, skip some steps, which is also not true. And so that's part of our point of that podcast is to make sure people know what they need to be doing to put themselves on the same level as everybody else, you know, level the playing field and, yeah. and get out there and be competitive. And so, yeah, all these podcasts, it's, it's kind of the same idea with the creative writing career. We want to 
you know, like be sharing the information with everybody so that they know what they need to know. Cause that's a big problem I've always felt in my life, you know, going to like a ghetto high school and not knowing anybody in any industries anywhere is just, you don't know where to start, yeah. or, you know, where to put your energy. And so we're trying to help you get ahead of that stage and not have to not know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think for someone like me, so I'm, I'm from like a small town in England. Um, I remember when I first started screenwriting and I think I found the script notes podcast and yeah. <laughs> like devoured it. And at the time, like, because there was, there was nothing there, n- nothing I knew. I didn't know how to get started and, and podcasts just seemed like a really great way to, to do that. Yeah. I'm the same with you. And I love that podcast. And, uh, actually I think it was them talking about one way to get into screenwriting is to write for games. Hmm. And I think that was one big factor that made me start considering it in the first place. Cause I was like, I like games. I write screenplays. <laughs> Why would I not do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you talk to all these people who talk about, the constant paycheck in games versus Hollywood always struggling for the next project, trying to find what's out there. Uh, that's a big selling point when you have a family, which I do. Yeah. Um, so out of curiosity, what, what are your favorite podcasts? Script notes for sure. <laughs> uh, writing excuses with Brandon Sanderson, who's one of my favorite authors also. Oh, he wrote the Mistborn trilogy and he wrote um, these new things he's doing called the Stormlight Archi- Archives. And he took over for uh, yeah, Robert did, Jordan when did, he passed away. Did he do the last book in the wheel of time the or, last or something three like that. i think yeah oh, right, okay in the wheel of time books so he's a he's a pretty big deal and he's awesome and uh got my picture with my baby with him once so that was kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> back when i was first starting out and uh anyway his books are amazing the podcast is awesome it's only 15 minutes so it's great for when you're just like a short commute or you just want to take a walk for a break during work or something yeah i'll check um, that out yeah and and they're sponsored by audible and we just did that for our career writing career podcast too so uh we're kind of trying to, you know, in some ways, in some ways emulate them. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely those two, you know, screenwriting, script notes, uh, novel writing, um, uh, writing excuses. And I don't know if I have one yet for video game writing. I'm trying to figure that out. But it's, so that's one thing we did with creative writing careers. We were listening to all these cool podcasts. But I'm like, there's got to be other people like me who just want to do it all. Or or maybe they don't know where they want to start. You know, maybe they want to do a little bit of novel writing, a little bit of screenwriting, a little bit of video game writing. Yeah. And that's why in creative writing career, we just do it all. You know, we have each of us kind of has a specialty in that and we bring in different people who, who've done, you know, script consulting or video game writing or awesome novels like Will White's uh, House of Blades book. And yeah. Create, the Creative Writing Career Podcast is like my ideal podcast, I think, because cool. I sort of feel like we're in a, a post medium world where if you're yeah. a storyteller, you can, you can do anything and still have that authorial uh, voice and you can still tell the story you want to tell, but you can self-publish books. You could, I mean, we're, we're going to crowdfund a comic book series next year. Awesome. That makes sure. And so films. many writers are doing that, right? Like so many of them are are all over the place. We just interviewed uh, Alan Warner, who wrote the foreword on my second creative writing career book, and was interviewed in the first. And and he's doing so many cool things with games and comics and film and and, and there's so many people you meet who are who are doing all these. And there's like you said, all these game companies that are hiring filmmakers and all these novelists who are getting into make making some of their books into comics, graphic novels, or screenwriters who are doing that, hoping it'll lead to becoming a movie. And um, and actually, yeah, Creative Writing Career, it's definitely been taken off, so it's awesome. There's other people out there like you who are in the same boat who are thinking that that's like the ideal way to go, and so I'm really happy about that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll, um, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes as well, so there'll be... Uh, awesome. People can just click on that. Um, but um, Yeah. Yeah, so you, you've got like, the ideal day job, right? <laughs> so you work for Telltale, Telltale Games. Uh, what does your actual work day look like? Uh, let's see. <laughs> it looks like 
me just having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it's just like writing a screenplay or, or a novel in a way, except for that you're doing it with a lot of other people. Um, so it's not like a writer's room in the sense that you'd go in and like work it with a whole group of writers every day. I, a lot of times that I just go in, I open whatever I'm working on, whether it's doing some character bios and getting that stuff ready for a screen for the for the game, or just opening up some scenes and straight up writing. You know, like sounds, the way we do it games. Sounds insane. Like <laughs> when I think <laughs> as about a, like, as a job, you mean? Yeah, like yeah, like my job. It sounds similar. Like going to work, going to the office and stuff, but. We don't we don't write screenplays and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Oh, I'm an IT technician in the day. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to do that in the Marines. I was an IT guy. Yeah. And then, like I said, the finance stuff and some government stuff. And it it is the same. And, and you're doing them with a lot of the same issues as far as like productivity and keeping track of your tasks and knowing what you need to be doing. Except for in the game world, you have producers and executive producers and leads on season leads and episode leads on writing and design and and so you just have all these levels of people who have their fingers in the pot yeah and that's kind of crazy that's the big difference but but on the actual day-to-day work of it it's really just about going in there and you know figuring out what's the scene going to be and where the character arcs are and and all the normal stuff you do with writing do you have like deadlines then so do you like oh yeah so on friday you've got to have this bio done and this these words done or yeah and and if you any any game industry any game company you're going to hear about crazy um production schedules and and that's for sure always true i think <laughs> the rumors you hear are true it's just like you're constantly busting out massive amounts of of writing and um that's why i love the guys on the self-publishing podcast i don't know if i mentioned them when you asked my favorite podcast no, those that's guys, another good one as well yeah <laughs> yeah sean and johnny and dave yeah. uh, they they just bust out words and it's very similar to like what we're doing you know you just have to um approach it well, of course, here it is a day job, but when you're looking at like the self-publishing world, I think it's also smart how they do. You just approach it like it's a full-time job, and you just write. Like, yeah. They do. They're crazy. They do like 17-hour days of writing sometimes, or at least 10 hours. And I think if I was just a stay-at-home writer, I would probably do my four hours, maybe another hour or two in the evening of you know editing or something. But but you know, they're, that's good that they're doing it that way. Yeah. I am, um... <laughs> and that's what it's like here. So I finished my uh, first novel in like a trilogy I'm writing and I, I emailed Sean and said, what, what would you do if you were in my position? And he said, don't release it, write two to six more books <laughs> yeah. and then think about releasing it. And then you like release them close together. Uh, awesome. So- Did you hear our um, SPA podcast about that? We had a, a self-publishing answers podcast where it was the, the title, I think, was writing your first book. Or what should I be doing when writing my first book? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still like, because there's like 44 episodes of that. I, yeah. I listened to like the, the latest four or five, and now I've gone okay. back to the start and I'm working my way through because it's quite a lot of yeah. stuff. It's quite a lot of that. This one's somewhere in there. I think it's episode 40, perhaps. Yeah. It's it's somewhere in the last. It's in the. I only started on with those guys at episode 37, I think. Yeah. And so it's somewhere in between 37 and 46 is uh, that one. But anyway, it's a good one because we talk about that, like what you should be thinking about as far as like the author newsletter and marketing and writing the next books and and I, I agree with him i think it's okay to maybe write three or four and then start going hardcore <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, you know it's all it's all preference it's all like making sure you know that your novel is good i think is the key there yeah and, and of course having a library so that you can you know people can discover they like your book and then they can buy more but it, but a big part of it is definitely write that first one and then write a couple more so you can see what you learned from that first one and the next one and the one after that. Yeah, I've just I've just done NaNoWriMo. I've just about finished the second one and now I know where I can go back and fix some things in the first one. So it has nice. been good, I think. Yeah. But you're also, doing comics and other things too. 
yeah there's always stuff to do like just like you <laughs> there's always there's always something that I'm, when i'm writing working on one thing i'm always thinking oh, i can't wait to get onto the next thing weirdly nice and i think it's key is uh if you're writing in these multimedia you know like we are um you can learn so much from writing a screenplay or writing graphic novels or whatnot that you're kind of skipping ahead of some steps like if only if you only write novels it, it's going to limit you but when you start writing screenplays you start thinking more cinematically and you know more condensed and, and all that and so it's going to definitely help you kind of skip steps if you were just doing one yeah so uh, the next question i've got on my list was actually um since so you've been publishing when was the first book you published because i've got here november november 2014 but that, i don't think that's right is it that sounds right. Okay, so what are the biggest lessons that you can bestow? <laughs> what are the biggest mistakes that you've made since since that first year? Uh, on publishing? Yeah. Huh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my first, uh, so, so I published probably nonfiction. What I did, though, is I wrote my first book back in 2010 and kind of busted it out. And then yeah. I took a long time thinking I'd probably go the traditional route. And now I'm going one book traditional and a lot of books self-published because you have so much freedom with self-publishing and it's awesome. So I'd say uh, kind of that's one lesson is that you don't have to wait, but I would you know put an asterisk on that and say it's good to wait <laughs> because like we were talking about, you want to have a lot of books done and you want to make sure that the first one doesn't suck. So by the time you've written your third or fourth one, you might realize all these things that you could have done on book one to make it better. And that's what I did. I went back and I rewrote book one like crazy and that's Falls of Redemption which is out there now uh, as six parts. And then also one book published with all six together. It's like 600 pages there because each one was a hundred by itself. Yeah. Um, kind of like the Sean and John, Johnny and Dave model uh, when they were doing episodes. And uh, so, so, so there's that lesson of like, you don't have to wait so long, but it's okay to wait a little while to make sure that you, you have it where you want it to be. I wouldn't rush anything. And um, you know, one lesson of course is editors when you're working freelance, even with traditional publishers, probably too, of course, they don't always catch it all. I've definitely published things after even going with like two different editors on one book and then had somebody email me and say, oh, look at all these typos. And I'm just like pounding my forehead into my fist, you know, going, oh, how can that be out there with all these typos after I paid people to edit it? Yeah. <laughs> I, that, um, that sucks. I, I noticed a typo in Creativity Inc., like the Pixar oh, yeah. book. There's, it's, yeah. So it happens. I mean. It happens and it sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> so the key there is, of course, for you know, the, the lesson for people is don't think you can do it by yourself and don't rely on other people. What I like to do now is I, I do it myself where I read it on my phone. So it's a different, you know, way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, and I have like one of those humongous iPhones, iPhone 6S Plus, And I had a Note 3 before, which is like the same size. Yeah. So it's great to do that. And they have all these apps that you can actually edit as you go or just highlight as you go. And then I go back and do my own version that way. And then I send it to the couple editors. And then I go back through and read it one more time on my own, whether it's on my phone or computer or whatever. Um, I know Sean at one point talked about doing it where he reads it out loud to himself, which is awesome, but that just, it hurts me to do that. So I don't, Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you just got to, you know, push through and either pay people a lot of money or put a lot of energy into editing because yeah. otherwise you'll embarrass yourself. I think but, it's um, that, uh, it's that method of just changing uh, the medium in which you're reading it like if yeah you, that if helps you, a lot if you're reading on the same word processor and over and over i think you sort of become blind to it a little bit yeah i heard a key uh thing that sounded kind of cool recently a piece of advice that was change your font so what oh, one okay. lady was saying i think it was on writing excuses she was saying she writes in uh times new roman and then reads it in courier new or something like that and so that's kind of cool you know i've oh, never thought of doing good. it yeah, that yeah. way 
it'll so, look totally different and the page and the words will be in different spaces and everything like that so it's, it's worth a try i might do that next yeah something i've been doing uh, as well as um highlighting like a paragraph and then doing the text to speech and then getting my computer to read yeah. it back to me and then you can sometimes yeah, hear cool. hear like weird, weird weird sentences and stuff yeah it's gonna take forever but it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i think there's all these really smart things to do and it's just you gotta you know weigh your time like i've also dealt with people who uh, go back and revise their novel like crazy and just never write the next thing and that's of course um you know it's good in its own way but it's also smart to be writing that the next one and and there's time like deadlines that you give yourself um i recently I, i've been doing these uh books that i started a long time ago and they became something totally different which are the ali strom books ali strom and the ring of yes Solomon, uh, I, I yeah uh, I like those covers a lot. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah, they're really, really good. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Um, you didn't do the covers yourself, I'm guessing. Or... No. Okay. I, so for Falls of Redemption, I did my own cover at first, and then uh, that was years ago, and then I realized how amateur looking that was, even though I've always been kind of an artist. It's just if you don't understand like book design, you shouldn't be playing with it. You should let somebody else do it. And then yeah. what, what I like my teddy bear books, I, I always end up drawing a version of it because no artist has been able to get it how I wanted it. And, uh, and they always end up doing the background and I do the teddy bear and then they do a recoloring over the teddy bear to make sure it fits with the background. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> a weird thing. But what I was going to say is with the Ali Strom books, um, I, I, I put book three out there already for pre-order uh, on Apple books only because there's this, they like to kind of highlight books that are, book three is only on Apple. The other two are available elsewhere. And then it'll, book three will also be available elsewhere, of course, after a month or two uh, later. But um but that's the hard thing to do is setting pre-order dates and when you have books you're not done with. So right now I'm like uh, scrambling to get that one done because I got to make sure it's out there on the pre-order date. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of a, an interesting experience. But um, book covers, 99designs, that's what I used for that. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's obviously worked really well. The covers are amazing. Thanks. I, uh, I was lucky because you know what? Only two people submitted to that one. <laughs> and <laughs> the first one who submitted was that cover artist. And the second one was somebody who also did a pretty good job, but I wasn't as keen on. Only two um, people submitted that. Yeah, and which is funny because you know, ninety nine designs. Their whole thing is like, you know, you get all these submissions, and you pick the top six, and then you go from there to pick your favorite one. But that that's what happened for some reason. Um, you know what it is though. I could probably tell you why. Uh, but before I do, I, I would say that I emailed them about it and asked, and they said, if you want, we can refund your money or start a new one and promote it more on our end to make sure that it gets a lot of submissions. Yeah. But I ended up liking that one so much that I said, no, no, let's go with this. That's yeah, cool. fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but why that probably happened for people who are considering 99 designs, I went with it twice before and didn't like any of the submissions. And so I pulled out and got all the oh, money back. You know, oh, so can. they might not. Can, they, can the artist see that though? Can they see yep. that? Oh, we see. So I actually had another artist email me this time and say, hey, I'm thinking about submitting, but I want to ask you these questions. And they asked me, like, I see that you have done this before and did not award anybody, you know, the winning spot. And so that made me realize, Oh, this is why I'm not getting submissions. Everybody sees that. And they think why bother? Cause he's not, he might not award it anyway, or he might be taking our ideas and going to do something else with them or yeah. whatnot, you know? So, so that's something to think about. If you do 99 designs, if you do pull out, it's going to be tough when you retry. Yeah. Um, but in my case, it worked out. I like this one. And actually a funny story on when I pulled out the second time, uh, I was later looking at books. I was talking with, other artists authors and uh, i saw a cover i liked a lot and i said oh that's cool who's the artist and they sent me a link to their site and i went to the site and i saw a cover that looks really cool i said oh that's really interesting what's this and i scrolled down and the bottom was the title of my book <laughs> and i said wait a second what <laughs> and then i emailed them about it and they said oh i submitted for your 99 designs thing back in whatever that was like six months ago 
and this was what I submitted. And I was like, how did I miss that? And so I, I went back through with them on 99 designs and hired them directly, which you can do through their site yeah. and uh, rehired that person to complete the Falls of Redemption cover. So that was kind of a funny, oh, that's cool. funny story. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you you're going wide with your publishing. You're not doing KDP or anything like that. Yeah, I did KDP at first. Yeah. Uh, I always do it first for the. Oh, well, I'm actually not on Ali Strong books. I'm not doing it first, but I almost always do it for 90 days first, and especially with nonfiction. Um, and I liked it, you know. But uh, what was it? Mil- Military veterans and creative careers. The book yeah. I I put out there on Apple. And it's gotten way more purchases on Apple than it did on Amazon, even when it was uh, exclusive to Amazon. And so, you know, I think different books do better on different platforms. I mean, especially like nonfiction does better on iBooks, I've heard a lot. Uh, And now I have the uh, the Ali Strong books on iBooks and everywhere else because I wanted to see if that works as well for, you know, because they, they in theory will like, what do they call it when they promote it or like put it on the top of one of their pages because you're going to exclusive with them or... Or something like that. Anyway, so, so I'm trying these different avenues now, and uh, we'll see if they make a difference. But I, I feel like exclusivity, it's awesome. There's some things awesome that Amazon does. I don't like like doing the 99 cent promos or the free promos too often because it just starts to feel cheap after a while. Yeah. And so I'm not big on that. But what I do like is Amazon lets you advertise directly through their Kindles and whatnot if you are exclusive, and they won't let you if you're not. And is that and something you have to turn on? or does it? Just... So if, if you, when you publish through Amazon... The first time you you know you click a book on there on their KDP platform, yeah, uh, there's a little button that you can click or unclick that says "Be exclusive to Amazon." Being the KDP Select program, uh, Kindle's unlimited. So I mean, if if you're in that, does that mean you're automatically uh, promoted in on the Kindle themselves? Or no, no. So then what you have to do is oh. there's a yeah. If you go on the KDP Select platform, there's a place where you can pay for advertising, and you pay per click, kind of oh, like Facebook advertising okay. with yeah. Mark Dawson thing he does. Yeah. And on here, you can specify whether you want to target a certain book or a series of books. So you can like go in there and pick just Percy Jackson book one. That and sounds say, kind of amazing. that pops up on a screen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but if you bid directly on books, I've found it's a lot harder to get uh, purchases than if you bid on a category now. Uh, it didn't used to be the case, but now they've opened up advertising to to the, the black and white Kindles. And now because of that, the categories works amazing. So I can, but only for nonfiction for me. I don't, for fiction, it just hasn't worked as well. Yeah, um, because there's not as many categories you can pick. There, it's like a very narrow t- subject of categories, and so that kind of sucks. Um, but you can for nonfiction, it's much more broad, and and I can go down and into like screenwriting for movies and say I, for anybody who likes screenwriting for movies, show creative writing career book two on their Kindle. And I did that for Back by Sunrise for a little while, and it was cool because I had a few people like take pictures of their Kindle and put it on Facebook and be like, I I met this guy, I went to school with this guy. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know that that's kind of a fun experience. That's cool. But it wasn't. I think on that one, on my fiction books that I've tried with Amazon advertising, they've made about as much as I spent on advertising, which still is cool because they did better in the rankings because of that. Yeah. But it's not. It doesn't seem like it's worth it in the long run to just keep. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe I should have done it. But I but did with, um... uh, nonfiction. It seemed to work. It seems to always pay off a little bit better. And it depends on your price point is too. If you're if your book is only 99 cents and you're paying like 30 cents per click, then obviously uh, that's not going to work out because not everybody who clicks purchase it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just done Mark Dawson's free, you know, he does like the, the yeah. paid one and he does like the free one. I've just done a free one, but um, I, I don't really have the back catalog yet. I don't think to, uh, to yeah. do it properly. So that's, and, 
And here's the thing with Facebook ads too, is it's, it's a learning process yeah. <laughs> and it costs money to learn. Like even if you take his course, I think you still have to count on a bit of luck or a bit of just getting it right the first time. Um, so I, I've done some of that stuff and it's, it's been okay. It helped me build a little bit of a mailing list, uh, but not an amazing mailing list. Yeah. And it helped me get some sales, but not amazing sales. <laughs> and it was kind of the same idea where like the money I was spending was getting me about back what I was, you know, what I was spending. Yeah. And so I was like, is it worth all the energy and time that you're putting into that? And that's what that, I guess that's the key is like, is it worth the time that you're putting in? Cause that same time could be going towards writing the next two books in your trilogy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Instead you're like playing with all these ads and trying to get it just right. And it's, it's helping you just a little bit, but I know guys uh, like Nick on the self publishing answers podcast, who's done really well with those. So when I say that, you know, it's only because I haven't succeeded at that yet. And I probably will eventually, <laughs> yeah. but the the point being, if you don't have a, a catalog and all that, and if you don't have a lot of books, you might want to spend more time writing books first and then play around with that stuff later. Yeah. I think I, I did put an add on just uh, like a pound a day or something. Um, oh yeah. And it, it's, it is building a little bit of a mailing list. Um, That's cool. It's, I'm, it's, uh, there's no point in wasting time on it just yet. Not while I've got to actually make the things yeah. to sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's all these, things that go into that too like i'm writing uh the ali strom and books like that which are kind of targeted for like 13 to 14 year olds yeah and i think a lot of the people who click on the like you're going to do a lot better if you're writing you know like the, the mainstream thriller stories that are for people a lot of people who read books are like 35 to 55 or something like that 45 i don't know um but you know they're like in that age range so if you're yeah. going for books that are 13 maybe i should be targeting the parents but then it's like you might be targeting what you can do with that is cool is like if my book is kind of like Percy Jackson, I could say only people who like Percy Jackson, uh, it's a female protagonist. So I could say only women and only women from age 35 to 55. And so if there's a woman who's 35 to 55 who likes Percy Jackson, then it'll show up just for that person. And that'd be a pretty good target audience. And that might be the parent of a kid who likes Percy Jackson. So they clicked it or it might be the person who likes it. Yeah. So that might be smart to do, but the last time I did it, I did it for the age range that I thought was appropriate for the readership, which got me a lot of likes and a lot of clicks, uh, but not a lot of purchases. Yeah. And so, and I think that was my weakness in that, in that ad set. Yeah. Also, if, if your um, book doesn't like, I can see how Mark Dawson's works so well because his books have got that, that thriller sort of genre, like the lead child sort of thing. Yeah. So the, the, the people who like those books are monstrous readers. <laughs> like exactly. they just read and so much. Exactly. Same thing with Nick on the Self-Publishing Answers podcast with me, who's doing well with it. Those are kind of his style of books as well, yeah. like uh, National Treasure style, which, which I think are definitely going to, those are kind of, I'm not going to say they're easier to market because I know he has done a lot of work to get it there, but I think that they're going to work a lot better for that platform than like middle grade or maybe even young adult folks would. Yeah. Just to give those guys a plug as well, I've just signed up to offer.email. Um, I've just Sweet. saw it's, it's working really well. Um, so if anyone out there does want to get a mailing list set up, that's, Go to author.email yeah. and, and sign up. <laughs> it's easy as that, really. Yeah, I think it's free up to 1,000 or 2,000 or something like that followers. Yeah, which, I've got know, nothing to worry like 2, about. If you have 2,000 yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you have like 2,000 followers, then who cares if you're paying a little bit of money? But it's for people like me and you who have less than that, who are not wanting to pay MailChimp. And for MailChimp, you can do it like per email, and it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Like I think $9 buys you like 300 emails. We you know, were so on not MailChimp bad, before, but... but we didn't. We well, I've moved over to offer email because they've got the autoresponder 
on there exactly. as well. And that, 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 that yeah, seems and that's really the free key. Part. Yeah, yeah. And the, the only paid part on MailChimp that I'm referring to, yeah, is that autoresponder, the automated emails for people mm. who don't know what autoresponder means. Yeah. And those are key, you know, like setting up a whole bunch of those that go out like every few days or a week or two or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it doesn't seem like it's too bad, 300 emails, but I have a pretty small list and I think my $9 only lasted me like a month or month and a half. Yeah. So you got to think about it. You can yeah. save 120 bucks a year or so going to author email. <laughs> cool. <dot> email. Um, <laughs> so just got a couple more questions and then I'll let you get back to work. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite story, be it game, book, film or comic? Uh, well, of course, Princess Bride and uh, Braveheart. Those we, are, uh, know, me and Kat watched Princess Bride for the first time uh, about what? two weeks ago. We'd never watched it. Never. Uh, uh, did you like it as an adult? It, yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, okay. I really a lot of people like it. A lot of people who watch it as an adult don't like it as much, and so it's always interesting to hear if somebody who watched it as an adult likes it or not. Well, I just think I, I, maybe it was a marketing thing because looking at like I thought it was gonna be like a romancy sort of child sort of thing but i mean it is that but it's also incredibly funny and so yeah quirky. it's incredibly amazing in every single possible way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm one of those guys who watched it like a thousand times by now i'm sure and that's probably not an exaggeration yeah uh, same thing with well braveheart might be more like a hundred but okay. uh, those two are definitely at the top of my list and then i love you know all the great books like i said brandon sanderson awesome books george martin um game of thrones uh you know younger books as well I kind of liked the Percy Jackson books, but then the movies weren't so amazing. So that kind of made it not as fun for me, <laughs> which yeah. sucks. Uh, but yeah, games. Uh, oh, I've loved the Uncharted series. And oh, the Tomb Raider, 2013 Tomb Raider. I think that's my favorite game of all time because it just it hit all the mechanics right. Like I never got bored. I never get frustrated. Uh, it was fun. The story was like moving throughout. I never felt like I was just playing a game without story. It, it always kind of all worked together in one. Yeah. So I think that's I can't rate I haven't played the new Rise of the Tomb Raider that just came out, but I'm really excited for that. Cool. Uh and and comic book do you read many comic books? Unfortunately, no. I okay. need to more. I read the Walking Dead ones because of course we're doing Walking Dead, you know, so I've read all oh, of yeah, those. Those yeah. were a lot of fun. Oh that's a good point. They get pretty so, disturbing at yeah. points, but... <laughs> uh, the the canon that the games follow, they they follow the, the comic book, right? Not the T V show. Or... Correct. Okay, yeah. They had some characters who were in both, you know? Early on, like Walking Dead season one had uh, the, uh, oh, what's his name? I'm blanking right now, but the Asian kid, the Asian guy. Yeah. Um, I, I've never actually watched a TV show. I watched the first episode or something, but it, I was always a big fan of the comic books, so I sort of stuck with that. Yeah. But uh, you are right, it's disturbing. It's horrible. And the, uh, the Asian, <laughs> I don't know how far you got with it, but the, the bit with the Asian guy gets, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, <laughs> but it was like heartbreaking um, when. Those are always heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right, man. So, uh, so the last question then, uh, where can we keep up with you and, and your work? Yeah. So I just switched over to uh, a new author site. It's justinsloanauthor.com. Um, my old one was justinmsloan.com in case people were wondering about that. I, it, it now directs over to justinsloanauthor.com. Cool. And so that's where I'm putting all my, it's more focused on my fiction work. Um, you can still find my old site, which has like everything about me at Justin Sloan, or sorry, justinmsloan.wordpress.com. I'm kind of getting away from that just because I want to be more uh, fiction-focused as far as the website. Yeah. And um, But then you have, you know, creativewritingcareer.com and militaryveteransandcreativecareers.com for the two podcasts, and those both have, like, my books and sign up. And then I kind of use them all as blogs also. So so if I'm writing, like, a, a nonfiction blog or a, a blog more about, like, the business of writing, I'll put that usually on creativewritingcareer.com. If I'm yeah, writing yeah. something about like my own fiction or like uh, if I'm publishing a piece of one of my books or something like that, 
on the web for people to look at, then I'll do that on my author website. Uh, so it's, it, yeah. So for people to like find everything about me, it's kind of confusing because I'm separating myself a bit. Yeah. Um, that's but, okay. You know, so the nonfiction stuff is more creative writing career. Uh, yeah. And then the fiction stuff is more yeah. justinsloanauthor.com. And then, you know, Twitter at Justin M. Sloan. Yeah. And Facebook. I think I have like facebook.com slash Justin Sloan author, something like that. Yeah. So, and, and LinkedIn yeah, as well. I found. <laughs> yeah. Um, LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with people. If people yeah. want to email me, it's I use sloanartist at gmail.com. That's pretty much and, what uh, I did. I think I, I messaged you on like every. I gave you the surround sound effect to message you on LinkedIn, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good because some people don't check LinkedIn messages, which yeah. is frustrating for me because I love LinkedIn. It's you know it's how I get every job I've gotten recently. It feels like yeah. Since and, listening uh, to your podcast, I've finally updated my profile. <laughs> yeah, some people don't. You know, like we had we interviewed Will White, and he's an author of fiction, and that's all he is. Like he doesn't play around with screenwriting or video games or anything like that. Um, when I say all he is, it's awesome, of course. It's <laughs> but so for him, he feels like there's no point to have LinkedIn because he just hasn't found any use for it. Uh, for me, since I'm doing the video game thing and the screenwriting thing, I found it very useful. And even if I was only doing fiction, I think it'd be great to why not have another site that lists all your books up there for people to find, right? Yeah. Um. So LinkedIn, to be honest, I, I still can't work it out. Maybe maybe why? that's a creative. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, um. I, I mean, the main thing I would do on there is you put like a summary that just says who you are, which is like kind of the, the main thing you'd have on your bio or on your website or something. Yeah. You know, the one paragraph version of what you want people to know about you. Yeah. And then after that, it's kind of like, you don't even have to put like, like I just put author, screenwriter, video game writer, and then but, put in my bullets for each of those, you know? But then how do you sort of direct people to that? Or do you, do you sort of apply for jobs and then say... Oh, as far as that side of it? So what I do there is if I see a job I like, yeah. The first thing I do is I go on there and type in the name of that company and recruiter. And then all the recruiters pop up. And I go and I click on all of their pictures because that'll send them a little message that says, this guy clicked on your profile picture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and maybe I'll try to connect with them if I feel like there's a reason to. Like yeah. we have some kind of connection in common or something. Um, and then, I, of course, I apply for the job. And that way, you know, it's kind of like you said, hitting them on all angles. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're going to look at my profile. That, or they might not. They might not give a crap. But they might look at my profile because I clicked on theirs. Yeah. And also see my name when it comes through on the application process. Or if they connect with me or I can send them an email or something, I might say, hey, just wanted to hit you up, say that I, you know, in a more formal way, yeah. say that I sent, <laughs> I applied for your job and I look forward to hearing from you. And so it's kind of like, you know, you're just making sure that they know you're there. Because a lot of times recruiters get so many uh, applications for jobs that they might not get a chance to go through all of them or they might only, you know, care about some of them because they know somebody who recommended them or something yeah. but this way they might look and go oh wow that guy worked at telltale that guy worked on game of thrones oh that guy was in the marines you know all these things that just could be the trigger that they need because of something in their life that they, they like about that like their dad was in the marines or the most hard-working person they have at their company was in the marines or whatever yeah you know so i just i just i use it mostly as that in that way um but also connecting with just people that i think are awesome why yeah. not <laughs> yeah why not some people don't some people do you know that's how i met Stefan, who's on my podcast. I connected with him on LinkedIn and just over a course of a year or so, sent him a few little messages. It was like, Hey, I'm thinking about applying for the UCLA program. I saw you did that. Uh, what are your thoughts? Stuff like that. You know, it's just little, I wouldn't go on there and pester people. I wouldn't send him like a daily email. I've had different people email me in different ways. Like one person was just emailed me and said, Hey, here's my book. I think it's awesome. Here's why. Will you read it? no, I'm sorry, but I don't yeah. have time for that. Yeah. Like maybe if it really hit my fancy somehow I would, but there's just so many books to read that that's not the best way. 
Yeah. Like a lot of people give the great advice of you just connect. And if people are curious, they'll check you out. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so maybe if you connect and say, oh, I saw you go to UCLA. I'm thinking about that too. What's your advice? Oh, I got in. Here's my professor, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, I wrote a book. It's pretty cool. What are your thoughts about what I should do with the book? And then maybe that person's going to be like, oh, what's that book? I'm curious. And they'll Google it or look it up on Amazon or whatever. And yeah. then they might read it because it looks awesome or something about it. But like just random emails to everybody saying, hey, look at my book. It's, yeah. it, it sounds and to I me like how um, like networking probably should be done in person. Like right. if you go to a networking event and someone just yeah, throws their card at you from, from the other side of the room, and like puts it in your pocket, you, you don't really want to know. But if you build a relationship, it, it seems to yeah. work. That said, at certain points in my life, I've had people email me and say, oh, I saw you left a review on this book. My book's very much like that. Would you be interested in looking at it if I send you a free copy or something like that? And I've done it. Right now, I'm too busy to be yeah. able to do that. Uh, so it, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but I would say that if you do it, approach it with like, you know, some kind of in. Like um, I did that same thing on Goodreads. Some people left great reviews for Spirit Animals, the book. Uh, and so I emailed a few of them because you can connect through Goodreads that way. You can't on Amazon, unfortunately. And I just said, hey, I saw you left a five-star review on Spirit Animals. My Back by Sunrise book has some similar themes and, you know, people turning into animals and whatnot, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> bit different, but similar. Would you be interested yeah. in reading it if I sent you a review copy? And people, you know, a few people are like, yeah. And then they read a few of my other books and like those too. And so it works, but I just, you know, approach it with caution and don't be annoying. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right, man. Um, I won't keep you for any longer. Uh, how far have you got to go to get back to the office? Oh, I'm right outside. I just went into my car. So if the sound is oh, bad, okay. I apologize. But no, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's good. Um, cool. <laughs> yes, I'm just right outside looking, like I said, out at the lake, enjoying it. Is anyone inside the office looking out at you sat on your own in the car? <laughs> no, but the security <laughs> guy walked around and he was probably like, what's this guy doing? Yeah. Have you, um, I've started doing podcasting and like walking at the same time. Um, and um, sometimes you get huh? odd, odd looks from people. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, wouldn't that be really noisy in the wind and everything like that? Yeah, I only, I only do it when I haven't got time to sort of um, oh. do it sort of every day or whatever. But um, I just pretend I'm on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We even have a back office that I've tried to podcast out of, but the noise, the, the audio quality is just too echoey. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. So I've had to start doing it in the house now when I do it usually. Yeah. Or the car. The car is good because it's kind of like a cushiony material all over the place. So it's not <laughs> so horrible. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely. I appreciate having me on. It's been cool. I hope everybody comes and checks out our podcast, especially the military one, because the creative writing career one is doing well on its own. But the military one has been a little bit more of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a slow burn. I think, you know, people it's more niche. So people have to kind of discover it versus the other one. You know, we have a Pixar guy and a Telltale and this author who's done a lot of like 20 something books. And, and so people are just discovering it on their own through keywords or what have you. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. How do you find about it, by the way, before we hang up? Oh, well, you you, <laughs> you tell me about it because I was listening to, um, yeah, so I listened to the self-publishing podcast oh, episode okay, that yeah. you were on. And Sweet. then um, from there, I think I started following you on Twitter. And then from there, okay, I uh, found a self-publishing answers. Actually, I didn't I didn't know you were going to be on self-publishing answers. You popped up. <laughs> and then yeah. from there, I messaged you and then you said, check out Creative Writing Career and then sort of found my way. Yeah, I, I weaseled my way onto self-publishing answers by uh, <laughs> Kevin, got, who also does Wordslinger, got me on there. And then I listened to that other one they were doing. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was like, well, I want to start a podcast related to this stuff. But why would I start one and be a competitor when I could just jump on somebody else's who already yeah. has an audience? And so that worked out awesome because those guys are great and they kind of welcomed me in. Yeah. And we were going to play it like we were um, like I was a special guest, you know, and they just keep doing it special guest every week <laughs> until people caught on. <laughs> yeah. But that didn't last. Okay. It would have been fun. 
<laughs> Anyways, yeah. Cool. So watch out, guys. I'm going to leech onto all your podcasts pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, join us next week where Justin will be back on. <laughs> <laughs> every week, every lunch. Yeah. I'll just come out here every lunch break and yeah. Cool. Anyways, yeah, I appreciate it. It's been awesome. Yeah. I, best of luck on the podcast. I'll be sure to check it out. Cool. So sure. it's uh, I'm, this one's going to go up on Monday. Uh, so oh, I'll, cool. I'll drop That's you a quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll um, drop you a message to let you know when it's up and everything as well. Right. Thank you, listener. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you were thinking that Justin's day job sounds incredible, uh, you were correct. It does sound incredible. <laughs> sounds amazing. Um, so definitely go check out his website, go listen to his podcasts, and get all up in that. Uh, for now, I've got some work to do on my novel. Um, this coming Friday, the show, I'm going to go over what my publishing plan is for 2016 for myself and our story studio, Hawk and Cleaver. Um, it's going to be a pretty epic year, I believe. So I can't wait to tell you what we're planning to do. So maybe in a year's time we can look back and see what what succeeded and what failed and and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, get in touch with me. Let me know know what you're up to, what you're making. Um, Email address is lukeofcondor at me.com. That's Condor with a K. Or tweet me. That's at lukeofcondor. Cool. All right, guys. That's BTC. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.